When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Obehave. I'm your host, Brian Middleton. And today we have Jennifer Eaton and Mariah Half from Rooted in Play. Welcome, ladies. Thank Hi. you. Nice to be here. Really excited to have you, folks. Super excited to be here. Well, uh, today, folks, we're going to be talking about uh, task list item B11 from the BACB's 5th edition task list, uh, which is divine and words, uh, define and provide examples of discrimination, generalization, and maintenance. Um, before we get started, though, um, ladies, would you like to introduce yourselves a little bit more? Sure. You want to go first? Sure. I'm Mariah Half. Um, I've been a behavior analyst for going on 12 years. I've worked both on the East Coast and the West Coast, and um, we're just really happy to be here and be helping out with this podcast. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, so you've been on the East side and the West side. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> go yeah. ahead, Jennifer. My name is Jen, Jennifer Eaton. Um, I've been a behavior analyst for going on eight years and eight years in, I guess, February to think about that for a second, <laughs> but practicing ABA for as long as I can remember now. And I have worked both West coast, East coast. I started on the West coast and summer I actually met. And then I ended up moving to New York for graduate school and did my training at, I got my master's at Columbia, but then I got my BCBA at Penn State, which is where Mariah also got hers. Yep. And about five years ago, I moved back to California and we opened what's Rooted, Rooted in Play. In play. We just celebrated our five years. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm really excited to talk about this, especially since we get to start with one of my favorite jokes in ABA. Oh, please. <laughs> The one place where discrimination is A-OK. -okay. <laughs> so I'm going to use that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, uh, the, the, the joke, folks, is, is discrimination means being able to tell the difference between two different things. Right. And obviously, we're not talking about discrimination based off of um, age, race, sex, gender, preferences, uh, um, all that other stuff. Like, uh, there's so many things that people discriminate on. This is actually a scientific application of the term, um, and it, it's just really important that that we um, define that difference first. Because don't want anybody to think that we're teaching people to be racist. That's not okay. Correct. Right. This is more identification, not mm -hmm. anything preference based. Absolutely. Although I will tell you that I love, love, love discriminating between the different types of uh, curries that are found around the world. <laughs> because you cannot get the curry is like saying soup right <laughs> how many different soups can you get and japanese curry is different than thai curry is different than indian curry is different than than curry. and i love it all <laughs> it's like me and soup i'm a big soup connoisseur oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes i love it all so question is is chili a soup or a stew Ooh, is this a trick question? <laughs> it's like, is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it's a taco. <laughs> I'm gonna go with I go with stew. stew. <laughs> Although you know, maybe maybe soupy sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> jumping in then. Uh, so yeah. discrimination. Um, how would you? you all just define discrimination because I just tossed out a very quick and dirty definition. You did. That was good though. Um, you want me to go? Sure. 
Okay. So, I mean, it's such a, it's such a broad topic, right? So it's something that we would call what, a generalized skill instead of a cumulative skill, right? And it's something that is taught often very early in a behavior analytic program. But with that being said, there are also fundamental behaviors that need to be taught prior to even going towards the, the being able to discriminate or teach mm -hmm. discrimination, right? So long story short, it's basically reinforcing a behavior in the presence of one stimulus, but in the absence of another, right? Yeah. So what does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you have obviously in ABA what we call the discriminative stimulus or the SD, and then you have the S delta, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and S Delta for those of guys, for those of you who don't know what that is, is basically, um, other stimulus that is not the discriminative stimulus right. where the reinforcement's not available. Exactly. If you pick that one, you won't receive that reinforcement. Exactly. Right. So essentially you're teaching a learner to be able to identify one item when presented either with one other item or with several other items and be able to discriminate that that is the item that you're asking them to choose, right? So, but prior to that, what you have to really make sure that you have for a learner is you want to have joint attention, right? Being mm -hmm. able to share a common interest. Um, you want to have simple compliance in a program. And generally speaking, you know, for all programs, mm -hmm. you need to have a strong rapport. Mm -hmm. And preference assessment strong yes, motivators absolutely definitely as i um, like to say um teaching is like bluetooth if you don't have a good pair you don't have anything beautiful right. love that absolutely and that's something too i know we're not talking about before but i mean it's such such an important topic in and of itself well and, and just so you know I, I forgot to mention this before we started the show i like to bring in practical application and, and connecting the different ideas and also connecting ideas of trauma-informed care and making this human because one of the one of the and, and i'm seeing this happening because my wife is going through um a behavior analysis program right now to become a vcba so i'm seeing some improvement along the way but even then it's it's kind of impersonal and and it's a, it's a little bit stodgy and and almost snobbish yeah and and if we don't make this human then we're we're missing the point the point right. being that this is about the people or you know if you're going to behavior analysis with animals it's about the animal like we don't want to be cruel we don't want to be heartless we want to be scientists absolutely and yeah. and cruel and heartless synonymous with scientists uh, unfortunately that's a thing and it sucks and yeah. we need to change that I know. Right. It's well, that so goes, true. And that's important when you think about how you're teaching discrimination. If you're just sitting at a table and asking a child to discriminate through objects and they become this ro little robot, what does it mm -hmm. mean to them? Yeah. Are they getting a book to read the book? Are they getting the shoes to go get their shoes to go outside and play? Mm -hmm. um, making it more meaningful them will create an even more um, you know, positive learning environment. Absolutely. And then you get those natural reinforcers where the yeah. kids like, oh yeah, I want to find my shoes because yes, they do want to go play. Yeah. And, and really, you know, going back into the rapport piece a little bit, you know, like to take what you said a little bit further too, if, you know, you're teaching a child to discriminate between finding his shoes versus finding, I don't know, a book, a book correct. Um, and you in and of itself are the reinforcer because you've established such a strong rapport with your kiddo, mm -hmm. then, you know, it's just even more reinforcing for that right. child. So I know we always tell therapists and it's one of my favorite things to do. I was just sharing with Mariah something that happened in a session the other day, but there are so many moments that a child will just come to you. Right. And they'll present you with this beautiful eye contact or reach for you and try to or give you a their hug arms or, yes. or just touch your face or, you know, there's so many examples I could provide, but where they're just genuinely trying to connect. And in those moments, I always say, drop everything you're doing and be mm -hmm. present yeah. because those moments are not always easy for a lot of our kiddos. And when you have them, yes. you capitalize on them and yes. you deepen your rapport in those moments. You're no longer and the teacher. You're now the student yes. you're receiving that yes. information from your, from your learner. Yes. It's important. And, and I can speak to that um, because this last Halloween uh, I dressed up as Mario. 
I had I had overalls and a hat and everything, and I even had a red mask on. So you know, and kids who normally don't even acknowledge my existence were like Mario, and, I, and I'm I'm running from point A to point B, taking care of stuff because my job is to orchestrate things and make sure things are happening. Right. And since it was a fun day, like I wanted to make sure everything was great, but I still took a second to stop and engage with them because at that moment I was a reinforcer. Right. And Absolutely. why would I not like kids who rarely say a coherent word because, and we're working on that, that speech skill or even kids who are, are non-vocal, but they're, they're signing Mario or they're indicating through other means that they recognize the character that I am like, that's gold. Yeah. That's, that's not gold. That's, that's platinum. That's, that's the most precious. Yeah, thing you absolutely. Have because, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's really, Perfect. really important and foundational. Yeah. I mean, I could do a whole podcast just on rapport itself, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because you can see kiddos when they have that rapport with you, they will discriminate between you and other adults in their environment. Oh, absolutely. They're more That's likely really to come to you or they're more likely to come to grandma or they're more likely to come to mom because they have that rapport already. Yeah. They don't mm -hmm. have a rapport with you as the teacher. They're not going to want to come to you or be present with that. So. Yes. Children are so, mm -hmm. so intuitively aware and present and... Um, and it shows in everything that they do, their behavior, the way they mm -hmm. communicate. Um, so, but that's a really good point. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so so. If, you, if you don't mind, I want to share a little example of discrimination training that I went Please, through. Please, yeah. I do, do. Thank you. Okay. So rotten grape juice, also known as wine. Mm. Yes. Um, my wife convinced me to go to a wine tasting class. And here I am over here. It's just what rotten grape juice, all this other stuff. We go to this wine tasting class. It was, I think, five or six classes. And it was a systematic training of how to discriminate the different flavors. And then learning how to pair and all these different things. So now wine is still rotten grape juice to me, but <laughs> I can enjoy it. I could go, oh, that's interesting. All right, I detect these particular things. Now, I'm not going to be like a, you know, oh, yes, the bouquet is wonderful, that sort of thing. I'm not going to do that. But I will be like, okay, this tastes good. I, I can appreciate this. It's not my preference. My yeah. preference is other things, but this is awesome. And interestingly, uh, discrimination training leading to generalization. Yes. Um, yes. So after the wine tasting class, I started to appreciate coffee. Interesting. Because before coffee and me were just not friends mm -hmm. and now I can appreciate coffee. Now, is it my preferred beverage? Nah, I'd rather have tea. I, I like tea more. We're the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> we're coffee people. <laughs> but I will say that like, you know, I can appreciate a good roast nice. and I can, and I can now discriminate between them. Yes. And this, this is a skill that's, that's generalized. And the same thing goes for you know, other things where there's some subtle differences. And so I went through a discrimination training uh, and maybe wasn't so happy about it initially, but then appreciated after the fact. Um, and that resulted in both discrimination and generalization of that skill across other uh, environments. So now what, how are you going to maintain that skill? Oh, well, <laughs> I, I, I taste things. Because <laughs> food is wonderful. <laughs> Primary reinforcer that has secondary reinforcing characteristics. Yes. <laughs> oh, but yeah. That's there you interesting go. how you can bring that from, you know, you, we talk about it from the child perspective, but even as adults, mm -hmm. we are constantly um, being bombarded in, in, you know, seeing that within our environment, discriminating between wines or cheeses or, you know, different I'm thinking of about things. laundry detergent right yeah. now. <laughs> different laundry detergents that I discriminate between. Sometimes they're scented, sometimes they're unscented. Um, I find that the unscented is more effective for me. And so it, it's with everything in our mm -hmm. lives, really. You have to decide what has meaning to you. And generally that comes with trial and error and success and whatever works best for you and has meaning and reinforcing value is what you're going to continue to generalize and maintain across time. Right. Oh. And for, you know, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You, you, oh, I was just going to say, you know, for our learners, it's, I was thinking about this this morning, as far as discrimination, you know, generally speaking, that's kind of taught first. And then 
well, generalization could be built into a program as well, and it absolutely mm-hmm. should be, but it kind of goes in that order, right? You learn to discriminate, then you generalize, then you maintain. Yep. And, or vice versa, you know, generalize and maintain kind of at the same time, if you will. But yeah. Such... And sometimes you can generalize first and then discriminate, but it's not very often. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like Maybe, airplanes, yeah, trucks, things like that. Yes, yeah. yes. It depends on the skill, right? Yeah. And what you're teaching. Um, but, you know, the whole goal of even teaching a child or ourselves to be able to discriminate between an instruction or a verb or a noun or an object or, you know, whatever it is that you're teaching is so that they can utilize that language later on in life in a more mm-hmm. natural context. And using it in, in multiple contexts. Right. When mm-hmm. People um, applying novel environments. It. Sorry, I think we froze a little bit. Yeah, it's okay. Um, right. Yeah, with novel people in different environments, with their peers. I mean, that's always the true test, yes. right? So we did, it, we did it at home, we did it with grandma, we learned about it with mom, we went to the playground, and now a friend comes up and asks you the same well, question, no um, training, and they respond. So I want to, I want to, I like, I like bringing it to the adults and to the kids because yes, I, yes. I feel like that helps the idea hit home harder. I, yes, absolutely. And one of the things that that I love to do is I love to discover, and I love to learn the stuff that I learn and apply it. And so I'm, I consider myself first and foremost a behavior analyst, but I'm also multidisciplinary. I don't limit myself to one branch because there's so many um, convergent ideas that are coming together. And um, interestingly, one of those individuals who is doing research on convergent ideas is a a social psychologist named Dr. Jonathan Haidt. Um, And his ideas and his research are converging with relational frame theory Mm -hmm. and verbal operants. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Dr. Haidt in his book, um, The Righteous Mind, talks about uh, something he proposes as moral foundations theory, where he talks about how we'd have different moral taste buds. Um, and I, I highly recommend looking it up. There's articles on it. There, uh, he actually proposed this idea originally in a TED talk, and then he added an additional moral taste bud after the TED talk. Um, a lot of different things there. But the reason I bring this up is because as of this recording, um, the 2020 election has just finished. And there is a lot, lot, lot of overgeneralization when it comes to other people. And I am not going to go into the politics because I annoy everybody (laughs) with my stance. So that's okay. It is a big day for America, regardless of the side that you are on. We are all Americans. Exactly. Um, But one thing that I've been trying to focus on here is that other person across the screen from you, across the table, across the aisle is human, is a person. And you disagree with them and they disagree with you. But what language are you speaking? And what Dr. Haight proposes, and I've tested this out so many times and it works. So this is the reason I bring it up. But what Dr. Haight is proposing is, hi, sweetie, you can come say hi. Hi. This is my wife, Heather. Um, But what Dr. Haight proposes is that um, a lot of these problems that we have are because one person is speaking on a moral foundation and the other speaking is on a different moral foundation and we're speaking past each other. And so one person is saying one thing and the other is saying another. And I'll give you a perfect example of this because half my family are Baptists and half my family are Mormons. And when a Baptist says the word grace and a Mormon says the word atonement, they mean the same thing. But when they're talking at each other, they're both missing the point. They're talking past each other and they get into these big old fights and arguments. And I'm like, guys, you're speaking different languages. And if we can learn to discriminate that and then generalize the skill of discrimination and then maintain it, Mm -hmm. I think that that can help us address those differences. And then you can, you can politely disagree with somebody else based off what they're asserting, but you don't have to disagree with them based off of what you think they're asserting. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's an example. So anyway, sorry. (laughs) Oh, I like that example. That was a, that was great. Um, so 
you know, I think, why is it important, right? Why yeah. is it a skill that we even need to talk about? Why is it something that is even remotely necessary, right? Mm -hmm. And and if you go to a family, right, and you're working with a family, <laughs> if I were to say I'm going to teach your child to, 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 to I'm going to do discrimination training with your child, they're going to look at you like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, and you just have to be so careful in general. Like you, you, like you said, we're dealing with families, we're dealing with humans, we're dealing with real raw emotions. And we often work with really young kiddos. Mm -hmm. And so that's generally right after a diagnosis. And it's a very, very emotional time for a family. And to come in, and this is why, you know, this is part of being a BCBA, but to come in and discuss these things and and, and not make them human for the adult that you're speaking to across the table, you just scare them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I were to say, we're gonna do discrimination training now, um, I, they would probably stare at me blankly, right? And, but the, the reason it's so important is because it builds so many foundational skills across the lifetime. Right. So the ability to discriminate between instructions, the ability to discriminate, as we mentioned earlier, so many different things that they are then able to take right. and carry on for the rest of their so lives. As adults, we take it for granted that when we go to brush our teeth, we know what a toothbrush is, what the toothpaste is, what the faucet is, how to turn mm -hmm. it on. We know all those skills because we've been taught them right. in discrimination way, 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 way many years ago. Yeah. But, but when you look at it as a big overall, you know, um, task that has to be completed and a little person has to do this where do you start you start right. with the foundation you start with the very beginning what's the toothbrush where right. is it right get to know the toothbrushes before you can brush your teeth right yeah. <laughs> well, where and, you understand the skill brush your teeth <laughs> and and when it comes to the parents um discrimination training because they they just uh, uh, typically we work with autistic children although behavior analysis is not limited to that right. and the parent just heard your dial your child is autistic yeah. And I'm trying to work on a discrimination training for uh, all of society to help see that autism spectrum disorder and autistic aren't the same thing, but they're similar. Like you can have the autistic neurotype, but you also have autism spectrum disorder. And it's about skills with the disorder. But the neurotype is this. And sometimes we get the people saying something along the lines of, well, we're going to try to cure autism or that sort of thing. And it's like, well, you mean address the issues of autism spectrum disorder, not cure autism. <laughs> we're not trying to cure the person of being a person. They are no, them. Really not. And, and they are who they are. And if this world were everybody were the same, if we were to generalize everybody as being the same type of person, it would be a very dull world indeed. It really would be. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and I, I love the, the huge variety of people that I know and their vast experiences and differences. And I love learning from them because people are fun. They are. And, you know, it's so I, li I like that you bring that up because oftentimes, you know, ABA will get a bad name for teaching to be wrote and, you know, little robots. Right. And and we so much firmly believe that when a child's personality shines through mm -hmm. that you can really work with it, you know? I mean, the things that they're interested in become your motivators. Right. The things that, you know, that they... Instead of discriminating against common household objects, let's start out with superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> You're really into them. Let's yeah. work there. And, you know, it's just so important to... And, and I love it, too. Like, every single one of our kids are so different. And they're all amazing in their own way. And teaching them these skills that we're teaching has nothing to do with shaping anything other than giving them a, a, a greater skill set right for later on in life but how is this going to take them further right and but having you know working with their personalities i mean it's just gets me really excited because when you see them start to shine through like we have a little guy that now he's telling jokes and i and it was just so fascinating to me that you know, when we first started many moons ago, this particular kiddo was nonverbal. And now he tells us jokes. And I just love it. <laughs> so good. You know, now we have to work on, you know, which jokes are funny and which ones are not. But, <laughs> but you know, that's, <laughs> that's, okay. that's more discrimination training, right? You know, like, not right, exactly. Exactly. It's not funny. But <laughs> um, 
Exactly. Or telling the same joke over and over and over. It's not funny anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we all learned a new one. Discrimination training. Let's look so, up some new jokes. Let's figure some out. Oh, I have so many joke books. <laughs> I have so many joke books. And I'm not that funny of a person, so I have to look them up. But um, but I love it. I mean, we get to teach kids to tell jokes. I mean, how fun is that? <laughs> and I want to I wanna brag on a parent here for just a second. On this topic. Um, a parent came to me and was like, I'm really concerned because my kid is really interested in Marvel. He's just, and Marvel and Minecraft, those are his things. And I'm just, that, it's just not right. It's too much. And oh, I'm, we know that kid. <laughs> we know that kid. <laughs> and and here's, what I, here's what I did. I asked him, do you have a favorite sports team? Oh, that's exactly what I would have said. And, and, and they're like, yeah. And I'm going to make up the sports team because I don't want to do any revealing information here, but yeah. the sports team that I'm making up is the Raiders because that there's a lot of people out there who love the Raiders. So Raider nation, there you go, guys. Okay. For those of you out there. So it's like, you know, favorite sports teams are Raiders. I'm like, okay, so uh, what do you do when your team is playing? And they went through all the different things they like to do. I'm like, and what happens if your team makes it to the Super Bowl? And they make a big deal about it. And they're like, oh, last time we went to the Super Bowl, this is what we did. And I was like, and and uh, how often do you talk about it? And and they start the lights starting to come on, and they're starting to be like, oh. And then, <laughs> and then I and then I pointed out like special interests are okay. Yeah, there is awesome. absolutely nothing wrong with a special interest unless it and they're encouraged. Yeah. Like if 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 we got a kid who is so interested in a special interest that they're walking around uh, punching people, trying to turn them into bricks, like in Minecraft, like that's a problem, right? Yeah. That's too much. But, but what if you what if he and his buddies are out back in the playground and they're playing Minecraft and they're doing a real world version of that? Is that a problem? Only if someone gets a bloody nose, right? <laughs> but if everybody's pr willingly participating and no one's getting hurt, there isn't an issue, right? Um, uh, and the same thing goes for, you know, other special interests. And sometimes we grow out of them. Sometimes we don't. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I never grow out of cartoons. I love <laughs> cartoons. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not sorry. I watch cartoons. I'll tell you what, my favorite cartoon in the whole wide world is adventure time because nice. it's got so much in there. It's so deep and has so many layers and it's so sweet and teaches important skills. In fact, one of my favorite ones was uh, the episode where Finn goes through depression and he experiences it. And then he interacts with other people and they're all very understanding. And it models some important, teaches some discrimination and they don't call it depression. Right. They just like, you okay, man? No, I'm not feeling so great. I'm feeling real sad. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry, buddy. You want me to sit here with you? Like, how cool is that? And, and is it kind of weird that a 35 year old man likes a cartoon? Only if you want to be annoying and say it's weird, because <laughs> I personally think it's great. Um, I think that having special interests, we all have them, yeah. right? I mean, I yeah. think that they should be fully encouraged, supported. And I really love how you brought that example and the dad or mom, whoever it was, was able to kind of start to understand. like. You said the light bulb went off, right? So, okay, yeah. I'm asking you all these questions. When is this going to click? Because I feel like we've done that before, mm -hmm. right? Oh, okay, yeah. so why is this Why is this a problem behavior? I actually see it as something that your child has an interest in it. Mm -hmm. It's something they can use to socialize. It's something they can use to communicate. I mean, let's you connect with another person yeah. because they have a lot of information about right. this one specific topic. Yeah, let's use this as a tool to teach so many other mm -hmm. things. And you might not be interested and that's fine, but your child may not be interested in something that you're interested in, and that's also okay. And, and we and teach our kids that all the time. We can agree on and disagree on certain things that we like, but we can still be friends. And Something I love to do is because when kids are like, do you like Minecraft? I'm like, nope. I don't like it. Exactly. They're like, <gasps> and I'm like, no, it's okay. I, I'm glad that you like it. And, and yes. kids will actually invite me to play Minecraft and teach me how to play it. And I'm like, eh, I still suck at this, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, we, we do it all the time. I mean, I have kiddos ask this all the time. Do you like to play certain games? I'm like, no, but I'm still your friend. <laughs> but it is a great way for, especially a child that's working on, you know, building communication skills. Why don't you teach me? Why don't you tell me how to do this? Mm -hmm. And tell a friend how to do it. Yeah. 
and call your brother exactly and you know I generally cannot learn anything when it comes to video games because I'm just not skilled in that set <laughs> but it makes them feel really good about it because they can beat us at something <laughs> it promotes autonomy <laughs> they get to be you know the shared control I mean there's just so they're much... in charge for a little while yes mm -hmm. I mean I mean I told a kiddo the other day that if he got <laughs> Kind of funny. But I told him basically his reinforcement could be that he could be the teacher for the day. He's oh. like, what? I could be the teacher. I'm like, the whole day, start to finish. He's like, no, this isn't real. This can't be real. It's it's real. It's it's a thing. It's gonna happen. He's like, oh, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. <laughs> I don't know how far I'm gonna let that go, but I have to honor it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> the whole day might turn into 45 minutes. Yeah. You know. In a child's world, that's the day. And and one of the things I love about this is like. So I, I, this is actually a teaching opportunity I had for one of my RBTs where they were asking about this as well. So this is, you know, a topic that's come up multiple times and um, another student perseverates and loves anything to do with the emergency services. And, and so the RBT was like, well, this is, this is, this is, this is a problem because he keeps coming back to it. And I'm like, or this is an opportunity to teach him how to be well-rounded. Right. So we can acknowledge it and we can be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. It's interesting. All right. So uh, what's something related to that that we could look into? Yeah. Right. What's something and, and and right after immediately after this, that RBT went with that client and they watched a video of some EM, uh, some search and rescue folks repelling into a canyon to save somebody. And then that staff member took that information, that advice to heart. And it's like, hey, let's look up rock climbing. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, they were looking at rock climbing gear and talking about how, what the different things that you would need for rock climbing and like what sort of safety rules you have to follow because this particular individual struggles with safety. And so we were rooted back, in, back into some things that we're practicing um, and, and it brought it full circle. And my thing is, I don't want to fix anybody. I want them to be well-rounded. I, I want them to be able to access more. And that's those pivotal and cusp behaviors that we, that we worry about. It's like, yeah. if you can discriminate that road is dangerous and sidewalk is less dangerous or even safe, then you can walk down the street without getting hit, which Absolutely. means that you can walk to the store. Yeah. Right. right? Absolutely. And once yeah. you discriminate that there's dangers on the road, but the road isn't always safe, then you can start learning how to discriminate car controls and you mm -hmm. can learn how to drive a car mm -hmm. and then you can access other things. Absolutely. And, and it's such an important foundational topic. And I'm, when you guys said you want to talk about it, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we like to, we like to geek out too. Yeah, we definitely do. Very much so. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many other life skills with discrimination. I mean, you mentioned driving, but like, you know, teaching about a hot stove, right? What's mm -hmm. safe, safety in general is such an important discrimination topic in, in life. I yeah. mean, you know, wearing your seatbelt, touching hot things, crossing the road, crossing the road, so not running versus not sharp. Pardon? Fart sharp versus not sharp. Yes. Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it can go into so many. It can just, it's just multifaceted. It's such a deeply rooted um, topic that can it really will generalize to almost every everything in your life if you think about it. And, and the more discrimination you present at an earlier onset of, of uh, intervention, the more likely they're going to be able to do it with yeah. greater independence yeah. as they get older. Absolutely. Because if it's embedded from the very beginning, it's not new. Yes. You're always discriminating. You're always looking for cues in your environment. And when you go into social skills, that's huge. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at the nonverbal cues. What's cool versus not cool. Mm -hmm. um, you Who know? did that on accident? Was it on purpose? Right. Mm -hmm. And understand, I mean, when you get into nonverbal social cues are hard. Tough. They're tougher. But you anybody. have to discriminate what is being said to you without it being said, right? Mm -hmm. Reading body language, eye contact, facial yeah. expressions. Uh, and then, and then, not only understanding and discriminating what's being communicated, then what do you do after? Now what do I do about it? Now what do I do? <laughs> now I've discriminated what is what's been presented to me, but now how do I respond to yeah. it? Yeah. Now what now what are so my options? many different options? Right. Well, uh, then and it goes a step further because it it goes into internal experience. One of the things that I love to address about behavior analysis, and this, this is a common error that people make, that behavior analysis only cares about external stimulus, and I'm like. Well, we start external and we work in, right? 
So we, we work with the environment, but the true shifting point in behavior analysis is when you realize that the individual's internal experience is still a part of the environment. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to discriminate, how am I feeling? What am I feeling? What's going on? And then that's where the self-management tools come in because that's such a big part of behavior analysis. Oh, it's mm -hmm. huge. Being it's able huge. to track yourself, keep tabs on yourself, uh, be able to identify what emotion you're feeling. Um, that's one of the reasons why when I talk about ACT, acceptance, commitment, training, therapy, the training portion uh, is that's within the scope of practice of behavior analysts because we're teaching people how to self-manage. Um, the therapeutic side, that's for cognitive behavioral therapists. That's not our, that's not our playground. Yeah. Um, but if you learn these skills, the research is showing, oh, you do this, 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 and this, and this is the result. That is so behavior analytic. That's behavior analytic. 100%. And, you know, Ryan and I, we use a lot of mindfulness just in general because, you know, and it's not behavior analytic, quote unquote, I guess, if you will, but we both practice yoga. We both, you know, we both practice mindfulness. I'm certified as a yoga instructor and teaching coping skills is behavior analytic, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to utilize, discriminate what's being presented to you, right? Mm -hmm. Then identify how you're feeling about it. Okay, now what's available to me? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to cope with this? Mm -hmm. And mindfulness in general just teaches so many applications of how to self-regulate mm -hmm. and it's something that we use i mean we use it daily quite honestly i to... keep coping strategies in my car for when i get stuck in traffic yeah and all my kids know about it <laughs> <laughs> they, what, what's your playlist Miss Mariah? <laughs> oh what's, the other day someone said to me miss jen miss mariah brings treats and cookies and you don't bring anything i'm like Ooh, okay better step it up <laughs> she's like and she makes them just letting you know just she's a buyer <laughs> I was like, okay, I think I have a peanut butter cup. <laughs> it was in my lunch for me. Um, but yeah, so it's so important, you know, to just help children, you know, from a, from a young age, if you can learn to self-regulate and understand what is available to you, coping strategies, why, and that's going to depend on the learner, right? Mm -hmm. What works for one does definitely not work for all. What works for you may not work for me um, and vice versa, right? It's very individual, and I mean that's the beauty of, of individualized learning is that it's it's very self-driven in the fact that whatever works for you is wonderful as long as it works. Right. And, and and it's interesting to see how the kids can once they start to identify what works for them, they can generalize those skills to their family members. Right. We had a little guy who had his brother was upset during session, and he brought him oh. something. I think it was an Oreo to to help him calm down because he knows that works for him to calm down. So he generalized that to his brother, thinking that maybe this will help you calm down yeah. too. And mm -hmm. that was such a beautiful moment to see. Like yeah. not only did you learn it and did you realize that this can help me, but now you're offering as a you know, skill or coping strategy for somebody that you love and care about. Yeah, that happened with me too. Was Miss Jen, I, we need to help him calm down. Can, can can you can you give this to him and then ask him what he needs from from the calming strategies chart? I'm like, yes, awesome. I can. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you want to help me? Come yes. with me. We'll do it together. I'm sorry. I'm not crying. I'm not crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, being able to maintain that skill on yourself and then generalize it to another human. I mean, that's the beauty of ABA, right? That's why we do what we do. It's great that you can teach a skill directly. It's great that you can do it one-to-one. -one. It's beautiful that you can do it, you know, in a very controlled environment. But what really, really matters is can this skill be taught, maintained, and generalized mm -hmm. outside of the direct teaching environment, right? Is this a known skill that a child can apply. We, um, we had a little guy that we, or a little kiddo that we, we, we teach social questions in general as a program to a lot of kiddos. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect example of responding to how are you, right? And so we taught it directly and we teach maybe one or two at a time and then we build on the skill set, right? So now I think he's maybe got maybe 20, 25 social questions that he can respond to in random rotation, right? Mm -hmm. And and just when we're presented naturally, it doesn't have to be directly, you know, he's maintained it. So in any case, we were at the park, I don't know, a while back, and he had just learned to respond to how are you and say, I'm great, how are you, et cetera. And, and this gardener was walking by 
and the gardener says to him, hi, how are you? And never met this person in his life, never knew who he was, um, completely random, new environment, new person. I'm great, how are you? And I stood back. I was like, this is why we do what we do. A little mini party in our heads. <laughs> like, that's why we do these things. Um, that it's usable. It's relatable. It's, 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 it's natural. It's, it's yeah. natural. It's socially significant. And it sounds so simple to respond to how are you, right? But and, and probably for that gardener, he probably just didn't think anything of that child saying that to him. But in my mind, I was throwing a dance party. I'm so yeah. happy. And uh, a, a good example of that for one of the, the children I worked with was a, a child who had a very big history of trauma. And so a lot of what we were working on because she was highly verbal um, was with those coping strategies and those self-management skills. And uh, the day that I got text message from um, the foster parent saying, they just taught me a skill when I was feeling upset. And yeah. they, when I asked them where they learned this, they said it was you. Aww. Was it you? Aww. And I was like, yeah. They're like, this is amazing stuff. Where can I learn more? Aww, so I'm awesome. like, oh, hallelujah. This is amazing. This is the best. And um, I, I'd like to add these, this foundational stuff this foundational stuff uh, disables the old saying, the can't, an old dog can't learn new tricks. Because right. I have seen this work across age groups. I've seen this work across social structures, across settings. You can learn these skills. And this is one of the reasons why I say behavior analysts should get teacher discounts because we are teachers. We are. We are 100% teachers. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight that battle till. Mm -hmm. Till the end, we should get teacher discounts. I, I miss my Time teacher discounts. I'm a teacher. <laughs> Lakeshore loves us. Yes. Lakeshore, I mean, you name it. I mean, literally cabinets are bursting out of teaching materials. I mean, like it's... craft plot su supplies and candy. Um, oh. it, it's teachers and uh, and behavior analysts that hit the uh, uh, hit the Walmart and the stores after Halloween. And, and oh, absolutely. Yes. We go, we go nuts on it. There's the Target dollar bin. Is Target, the best. Oh, Target dollar bin. Yes. 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 Their books <laughs> worth their weight in gold. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And you know that also just brings you know another kind of topic up. I guess if you will, is, is stimulus generalization, mm -hmm. right? So being able to utilize a variety of activities, items, games, materials while you are teaching, because what you're ultimately doing in that, by doing that, is you're, you're using built-in generalization, right? So then you go, right, you go to a main, a learned skill, and this child is able to generalize it even faster, right? So utilizing, I mean, we have so many materials, activities, and things that we use to teach a similar right. skill, but we're also two different people coming in and teaching, so that helps with generalization as well, right? It does. Your therapist as well, but, I mean, being able to, to to learn a skill and apply it with different activities is just right. really, and stimuli in general is just really, it's just power, powerful. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's interesting because you have to kind of check in with yourself as a, as a, as a teacher or an instructor is, am I presenting this toy and is my child, is he looking to just do one response because I've done that too much with this toy. So right. now I have to change it up because he sees Mr. Potato Head and all of a sudden he thinks that this is going to be, uh, you know, put on projects. Oh, mm -hmm. nope, we're not putting things on. Guess what we're doing? We're going to spin him. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take we're it apart. Put him in the bucket. <laughs> we're going to play hide and seek with him. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to play superheroes with Mr. Potato Head. We're going to play superheroes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so being able to really, because we get excited when we see a kid start to respond the way we want them to. Like, oh yeah, let's do more of that. But really making sure that, is he overgeneralizing this? Is this the only skill he has with this toy? Yeah. If that is so, then we have to take a step back and teach other things around that, that toy. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, as a behavior analyst, I'm constantly learning things. I mean, that happened to me this week. I literally brought a toy a couple of times and a kiddo knew what the expectation was. Then it became a reinforcer and he wanted access to it 24 seven, which is beautiful because I had motivation. But then I realized, uh-oh, uh -oh. <laughs> we're, we're not 
bringing that box the next few times I come because we're going to change what we're using now. But I got more so excited because he was so motivated by the activity mm-hmm. and having limited reinforcement, you know, for this particular learner at, a, at early on stages of his therapy. I got excited, but I had to reassess and realize that, you know what, this toy stays home because right now it's A, becoming problematic because we just want access to it 24 seven mm-hmm. and B, we're only doing the same thing with it. So we're going to change what we're doing. And and I think that's, you know, important to, to note as well. I mean, we are teachers, we are behavior analysts, we make mistakes all the time. Yep. You know, we are human. And I mean, we tell our kids this all the time. I mean, if I make a mistake, I like to tell them so that they realize that, hey, grownups make mistakes. Yeah. We do. We're always learning. We're always changing. We're always, you know, learning something new about ourselves and it humanizes us. Mm-hmm. I make well, mistakes on purpose. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do do that. So that way I can show that help them to discriminate that, hey, I can, uh, this adult in my life recognize that they made a mistake. Yeah. And can own that they made a mistake. We can always fix a mistake. Help me fix the mistake. What should I do? Mm -hmm. Always, always try to make sure the mistake doesn't hurt. But, <laughs> but like there, there's been some times when I've made a mistake unintentionally and then the kid caught me out or I realized post facto and I went back to the kid. And in one case, it was a peer called me out for a mistake that I made. And I went back to the, the child and to the RBT that I made that mistake in front of. And I apologized to both of them. And I said, I'm sorry, that was my mistake. I own it and I will do better. Because that's an important skill to, to, to learn and to maintain and generalize. And uh, going back to that, that moral foundations and people disagreeing thing, it's such an important skill. Like the people that I want to be around are the people who can say, oh, I screwed up. That's on me. Right. right. Or right? I don't agree, but I like your point. Or yeah. thanks for sharing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if I've told this on this podcast, but. Uh, let me ask a quick question. Do you got either of you like black licorice? I do not. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I have a 100% success rate of getting kids to like black licorice. Ooh, interesting. Um, and I'll, and I'll describe, I'll describe the method to you. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very small sample size. It's seven out of seven. Okay. So, uh, but food is a hard one because food is such a big deal. And when we're dealing with uh, developmental delays, um, there's a lot of sensory issues. And so there's some, there's some challenges there. And, and I use black licorice as an example, because I want to help folks understand this. Um, I love black licorice. The reason I love black licorice is my mom loves black licorice and my mom didn't want to share her black licorice. And so there was, <laughs> and so when she would, she would share it with us, it was like, Oh, this is so good. And it was the panda licorice, like the really good stuff, but beautiful anyways uh and the panda red licorice is also amazing if you want to but i'm not that's not my preference so um i've never been a licorice person in general okay well this is my method for introducing licorice to children and why i have a 100 percent success rate so first they're eating i'm eating with them i try to eat things that they're interested in eating that are but are just slightly different and then sometimes i'll say would you like to try this or sometimes they'll ask me if they can try it. And every single time that that happens, I say, if you don't like it, you can spit it out. Here, let's have the garbage can right here. No, I'm serious. I'm genuinely serious. If you don't like it, spit it out. It's gone. That's fine. I'll never offer it to you again unless you ask for it, right? And I do that over and over and over. Probably five or five to 10 times, depending on the kid. And then one day I'll just be coming in and I'll be chewing on some black licorice and they'll be like, what's that? And I'll be like, eh, it's black licorice. And they're like, huh? And I'll be like, it's a candy. It's really good. Um, most people hate it though. Like if you ask people what they hate more black licorice or uh, candy corn, they'll probably say black licorice. Most people hate it. Right. Right. And, or something along those lines, something that they'll understand. And I'll be, and they're like, well, can I try it? I'm like, you might not like it. A takeaway. Right. You might not like it. Well, I want to try it. I'm like, okay, well, if you want to try it, tell you what, let's have that garbage can here. And if it turns out you don't like it, that's okay. You can spit it out. I have absolutely no problem with you not liking it. It's my favorite candy. So it'll mean more for me, but I'm also happy to share with you too. So there you go. And seven out of seven kids have learned to like black licorice because 
it has to do with that pair. It has to do with that consent component. It has to do with honoring their communication. And also a little bit of that discrimination and generalization that's going on there because they're discriminating on different flavors and going, oh, just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. Right. And, and you know, I've done this with other foods that have strong flavors too, to the point that I've had children who want to eat lamb curry. Interesting. Yeah. Children who are like, can I have some of that lamb curry? And I'm like, it took me a while to like lamb because it's got a strong <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's all about that learning how to discriminate and then generalize and be like, oh, just because it's not something that I was expecting doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, That's actually, this brings Congrats up another your success, thought. success rate. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Going strong. <laughs> one of my friends who is an autistic BCBA posted a meme and we meme back and forth with each other. It's so much fun. Yeah, um, it's pretty good memes. Yeah. <laughs> She's fun too. She, she, she does a lot of just all over the place memes, but one of them that she shared with me was um, a, tr a Triscuit. And it's like, I like this because it's the same every time. And then it's like blueberries and it's like the different blueberry shapes and, and colorations that determine what they will be. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and this is why I don't like those. And I'm like, it's variable rate reinforcement. I love it. <laughs> blueberries are the best. Cause I'm not sure what I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, um, we're we're about the end of our show today. Do you have any other thoughts that you wanted to share? I mean, you know, I think this has been great. I, I was just thinking right now what you were talking about, you know, um, speaking of generalization. So something that we are kind of playing with right now is like a next step for us and with our within our business is how do we reach more people right mm. um, how do we reach more parents how do we reach more parents mm -hmm. right very important and of all children of all children because aba is not just for autism it's not just for um a diagnosis of any disability aba mm. can be applied in everything right in all walks of life and so we find ourselves really wanting to be able to reach a broader audience right generalizing this skill to more people so that they can then take it into their homes even if we're not there mm -hmm. right so something that we are kind of thinking about is more online training mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how we can reach a larger audience how we can make this more attainable to other people how we can teach without really being there right because it's so there, it's such an important science that I really feel needs to be shifted. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, you know, good press, bad press, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but when done correctly, ABA is so beautiful. It is such a wonderful, wonderful skill to, or science, I guess, if you will, that we're teaching, right? Mm -hmm. And we're, we're teaching multiple skills. <laughs> yep. um, and so that's kind of something that we are thinking of is how do we reach more people and have an online presence so that we can really, especially parents that yeah. don't have access to therapy, that don't have access to a BCBA, right. that live in remote places, that need these services. Right. And we've been told by you know families we work with, you guys have a parent handbook. For yeah. all parents. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if we didn't have a child who was diagnosed, we never would have had access to your information. Yeah. So if you could create that content and put it out there and have it available for all parents who are dealing with grocery store meltdowns, who are dealing with non-compliance when it comes to homework, who mm -hmm. are dealing with siblings, you know, taking toys from each other because it gets mom and dad's attention. Right. Um, yeah. How could we help with that? Yeah. yeah. So well, that's something. Sorry. For us no, yeah. Yeah. Rose again. Um, but yeah, we want to generalize ABA is what yep. we want to do. And so we're really, you know, playing with the idea of how to create more of an online presence. Um, you know, we have a website you can go to and uh, rootedandplay.co.co. But we would like to eventually develop some coursework to help reach more families. So that's something that we're kind of in the process of working on. I'm excited to learn more about that in the future. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, folks, just so you know, you can learn more about Rooted and Play 
ABA um, or Rooted in Play is the name of their company. But if you go to Instagram or Facebook and look under rootedinplay.aba, um, you can see excellent posts from them as well as uh, rootedinplay.co. Um, <clears throat> thank you so much, folks, for coming on today and, and joining us, Jen and um, Sorry, I'm gonna Mariah. I'm, I'm Mariah. I was gonna kill we your know. name. I, I, I turned anything you, that starts with M. So. You got so far. I want to. I want to okay. say. Have... I want to say Maya, because I have a friend named. I usually Maya. get Maria. Maria. Yes. Okay. Pronunciation. Maria. And, and quite honestly, every single one of our clients has a different name for her. My favorite is Manana. Yeah, Manana. Myra. Myra. You're not the only one. Okay. Well. Slap on my wrist. So, <laughs> but thank you so much, Jen and uh, Mariah, for joining us today. And yes, uh, thank you for having us. us. It, it was, was wonderful. So uh, just remember, folks, that uh, act. Uh, sorry, wrong podcast. Uh, o behave is an open source education material, which means that you can use all or part of this podcast towards continuing um, the spread of behavior analytic knowledge and education. Um, so you have permission to be able to cut, use, remix, and otherwise utilize that. Just remember, you have to cite back to the source, um, which is O Behave podcast or Bearded Behaviorist. Uh, and of course, in this particular episode, also Rooted in Play. Um, thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to you joining us next time. Yes, thank you. Have a great day.